This episode of Pop Punk and Pizza is sponsored by melodic punk rock band Hangtime out of Toronto, Canada. Since their formation in 2009, they've continually managed to deliver hook after hook of slick vocal melodies and sugary harmonies. Now, the band's two most recent EPs, Destroy and Invasion, are being pressed into one vinyl LP, which you can pre-order now via Satan Records and Dental Records. If you're in Canada, snag your copy at dentalrecordscanada.bigcartel.com. If you're in the U.S., buy yours at say-the-number-10.com, not the uh, word 10. And you can follow the band on Facebook, Instagram, and Bandcamp at Hangtime Band. And their music is available on all streaming platforms as well. Here's a clip of Hang Time's song, Too Many Days. Too many days, too many nights I wait to sleep alone. Too many days, I'm waiting for your come. I know you said you're leaving, but I couldn't think of it. Too many days, too many nights alone. A clip of Too Many Days by Hang Time. You'll hear the song in full at the end of this episode. To Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Hey, here we are. We made it to the end of 2020. Can you believe it? I never thought I would say that. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't either. As I saw someone post the other day, 2020 has been 37 years long. And I would say that's about right. But the important thing is, is that we made it through this crazy ass year. And before 2020 comes to an end um, and uh, we, we get to today's episode, I just sincerely want to thank everyone that was involved with Pop Punk and Pizza this year. Uh, you know, to the listener, to all the guests for giving me their time, to the bands that allowed me to play their music, to the hardworking publicists and managers for setting up great interviews with me, uh, the wonderful sponsors of the podcast, and of course, my dear family and friends, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to repay you all, honestly. I don't know how I'm going to repay you for all your kindness. 2020 has been the best year for Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast, and it's all because of you. You know, I originally, I wasn't supposed to even be podcasting this year. The, the very first day of 2020, January 1st, I had hit rock bottom with my mental health, and, and I announced that I was going on hiatus for a long time, and I didn't even know when I was going to return. I thought it was going to be at least a year, if not longer. So, you know, I, I started to fo focus more on, on getting my head straight with the help of my family and my friends and my doctor. And, uh, I, you know, I started to feel a lot better by February and March. Then the, the pandemic hit right around that same time. And obviously the world went up in flames. And I felt I, I felt I needed to come back to the podcast sooner than expected to, to help bands get the word out about new music that was coming out because they couldn't do show or they couldn't do so by playing shows. So I just said, fuck it. I'm coming back. 
And ever since then, things have gotten better and better all around. So once again, it's thanks to all of you and everyone else involved with the podcast, especially my lovely, beautiful, supportive partner in crime, Lizzie. Without her support of of my addiction recovery that I'm currently going through and the podcast, I, I would not be here today. I, I love you so much, Lizzie, and I, I hope you know that. So with that being said, I thought it would be fun to ring in the new year by counting down the top 10 most listened to episodes of Pop Pumpkin Pizza. Now, starting with number 10, and we're going to work our way to number one. Here we go. Number 10. One of my dearest friends and mentors, Kev Wright, hadn't played a show in quite some time. If I remember correctly, it had been like four years. And so he was ready to finally play to the public again. But with the pandemic, that wasn't really going to happen, right? So he came to me. And he asked if he could set up a special live stream uh, with me. Uh, He wanted me to help him set that up in in his living room. And I said, absolutely. And I said, you know what? On top of that, let's make this an episode of Pop Punk and Pizza that, you know, people can listen to later on if they can't catch the live stream on Facebook. now, now, Kev, he's not a pop punk artist, but he is one of the most talented musicians and singer songwriters that I've ever met in my life. And I'm honored to call him one of my best friends. So coming in at number 10 is episode 101, Songs and Stories with Kev Wright. And I, I don't want to really discuss a lot of crap that's going on outside our doors right now, but I, I don't want to, I just want to be uh a kind person now, you know, I, I always back then, you know, you've always been a and, kind person. Yeah. And so now I want to have that up front all the time. And I'm, and I'm trying to be that way with people, you know, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to disagree on everything, but you know, it, what is, it is what it is. So that's, that's my goal is to, you know, I want to write about what I feel and lately with the guitar stuff that you know is you know I'm writing with the songs that and you'll hear a couple tonight um the guitars just kind of take over and and I haven't never I've never never really had that that thing happen before you know you write some lyrics and you write some chords and you snap them all together and you hope you got a decent song and that's kind of how it's been my whole life but lately uh with some of these songs I don't know everything kind of just goes somewhere else and it's kind of a cool place to go that's I, I don't know if I should explain that more, but anyway, well, take that's us, how I feel, take, you know. T- yeah. yeah, I was going to say, take us to that place yeah. right now, Kev. That's that's exactly where we need to go. So oh, we're going to find out what uh, Kev has been working on the last four years here on Pop Funk and Pizza Podcast. So what, uh, what are we going to start off with? Uh, this is an original, and it's called I'm Tired, I Don't Need Tired is the name of it. And it's a message to... Um, uh, a lot of young people that are kind of sick of what's going on and instead Me. of instead yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and instead of being violent uh, about it or thinking of being violent about it they're approaching it a different way so you could read about them you know those kind of people that are are wanting to be positive and stuff um and so i was kind of like almost think of thinking of if they wrote a song what what would it be like so it's i'm tired i don't need tired if you want to hear that. All right, All let's right. hear it. I'm 
Hey, you young people, now listen to me. The older I get, the more I can see. I'm tired of war, political lies, and the media's intent to cover your eyes. Tired of religion, agenda, and game, and the rest of us heathens who live here in shame. I'm tired. I don't need time. Lord, I'm so tired. I don't need time. Don't you presume to know how I feel, to voice my opinion, put a cog in your wheel. I'm tired of the righteous, the lost and the saved, in the land of the dollar and the home of the slave. Send money to countries so we can afford to buy food for our children or fund the big war. I'm so tired. I don't need time. I'm so tired. I don't need time. And I'm tired of having to say what I mean and compare what I've done to the things that you've seen. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but hey, how about you? Can you think for yourself or what they think for you? So ask someone questions, where does it go? If you don't get the answer, find someone who knows. Someone who knows. Yes, I'm tired. I'm so tired. Maybe I'm tired. Number nine. The ninth most listened to episode of Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast happens to be with another person I've looked up to since I started podcasting because he's a podcaster and, and broadcaster himself. James Van Osdell of Carcone Carne and uh, Chicago's alternative radio station WKQX. Uh, James joined me on episode 96 this past June, and it was a real honor. It was actually a crossover episode. He posted the same uh, audio on the Carcone Carne feed, which I'm extremely grateful for. It was an honor to actually be a part of his podcast as well. So, you know, I thought it would be fun to have James on the podcast because his name is always getting up. It's always getting brought up here on Pop Punk and Pizza. So I thought it would be good for listeners to finally learn, if they didn't know who James was, who this James Van Osda was and this Carcone Carne. Well, what is it? Um, so uh, that's why I brought him on. And uh, in this particular clip, I had asked JVO how he got his start in Chicago radio. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a... a 
typical radio story. And it's funny because um, a friend of mine, Mark Doyle, just jumped on and he kind of figures into me doing a local music show. I was working for the old WKQX back in the 1990s when it was Q101. And the woman who was hosting the local music show, Carla, was leaving the market. She took an opportunity on the East Coast. So the show then called Local Music Showcase, later Local 101, was vacant. None of the full-time disc jockeys wanted it. They, just, they weren't interested in doing an hour of, of local music. I was working as a programming assistant at the radio station. It was my first radio job, 20 hours a week, five bucks an hour, for real. Um, I really wanted to do it. I wanted to play cool music, pick my songs, do it on the radio. So I went into the program director and said, I would like to host that show. He said, I have no idea how you sound on the radio. It's like how you have to prove to me that this would be a good thing for me to do is hire you to do it. In the back of my head, I knew that no one else wanted the job. It, doing a show at like 10 o'clock on a Sunday night isn't the sexiest thing in the world. So the people who are more into being like drive time talent want to know part of it. So what I did was I went to three different local venues and I recorded interviews with bands. I interviewed a band called Loud Lucy at Fireside Bowl. I interviewed Wesley Willis at Lounge Axe and a band called the Nubile Thangs at maybe Martyrs. And I, this is the first time I did interviews with bands. I interviewed them, I chopped them up on reel to reel tape, and I put that into a demo with, you know, five second clips of music, front cells and back cells. I gave it to my boss. He's like, this is great. You've got the show. Wow. I probably put in more work than I needed to, but I really wanted to sell it. And it was fun. It was, you know, as I'm like nervously hanging out to meet these local bands and interview them before their shows, including Wesley Willis, who's his own entity altogether. Um, and that, that was it. And that was my first on-air job in Chicago. And, you know, things kind of grew from there. So you you were still obviously the program assistant. or pro- yeah. And then you had the the local... 101. Now, were you the one that came up with a local 101 name? Maybe. I, I don't remember. Um, How that it, came about? It started as a CD before the show was named that. Um, mm-hmm. We were doing a CD project of local music, and we wanted to name the, the CD that, and we figured it makes sense to change the name of the show to fit the branding of the CD. Yeah. I was definitely in, in those conversations. I don't know if it was me who came up with it, but I... I was definitely in those conversations. One of my favorite songs released in 2020, and probably one of my favorite songs released ever at this point, was a song called OK by Till Morning. Everything about the song it just hooks you in right away, and, and you just can't get the melody out of your head. I actually just had the song stuck in my head once again all day yesterday, and I wouldn't be surprised that after recording this podcast, it, it'll be stuck in my head again. Um, so on episode 91, Dev and Pat Parker of Till Morning returned to the podcast for the second time to talk about their song, OK, and also about how they used to tattoo each other when they were kids in their bedroom. This was one of the hilarious stories that they shared with me on episode 91. Dude, I tattooed a, I a lady's face on Pat's chest. Oh, yeah, like when we were like 17. <laughs> what? <Not even. laughs> you, were we younger You might have been 17. I was. I think I was 15. Yeah, and, and he didn't even stencil it on there or nothing. He just like looked at 
that picture like in a magazine, like in a Dude. catalog, and then just look back at my chest and started copying it like that. It's like a Sailor Jerry Hula Girl, and it looks <laughs> like turned out like a drunk Fergie. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a so drunk bad. Fergie. Like, oh my god, oh, that so sounds great. But since then, I blasted over it. I blasted over it all with color and something totally different. Oh, oh yeah. man, I was hoping to see this thing. You got me all excited. There's a picture out there somewhere. Is there? Dude, yeah. yeah, I'll find so I'll find one. I'm gonna one get... of our friends. Sorry, go ahead. One of our friends had like a tattoo machine, like and everything that you needed for tattooing. And he just came to my house one day and gave it all to me. And he was like, "When you get good at this, you gotta give me a sleeve or something." So I was like 15 with no clue on how to tattoo, and Pat. Who I, was I think just, we only had like one tattoo ourselves at yeah. that point. Yeah, so you so had we tattoos were, at age fifteen? Uh well, sixteen. We yeah, got okay. them on our, my sixteenth birthday we got them. But we would hang a um a blanket, like a really thick blanket. We'd hang it over my door. Yeah, I a pillow on the bottom because then, my mom would be in the front of like <laughs> that tattoo machine going. And you'd hear the machine just blasted that I probably had to go with like weight running way too high and it was just one <laughs> Three, you know, three o'clock in the morning, and me and Pat are sixteen years old. I'm just dying. There's like empty Mad Dog bottles <laughs> laying all over the place. Wild Irish Rose tattooing. Oh, geez, man! I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that. That that just sounds that just sounds awesome. So your parents obviously weren't weren't for it. Like, did you, you got your first tattoos without your parents' permission? I'm guessing. No, my uh, my mom took us. Oh. Up. Okay. Yeah, because in Indiana, it's legal if you have parents' consent, you can get one at 16. Um, so I was, I ever since we were young kids, we were totally fascinated with tattoos and wanted to get them. And I'm like, Mom, this the day I turn 16, you have to take me to get a tattoo, or I'm tattooing myself. She's <laughs> like, oh. she's like, all right, I want you to get a professional one. So we both got. We got matching tattoos. Um, me, Pat, and we have two other siblings too. They got it as well. It's an Irish cross. Um, so yeah. it went safe. Irish cross for our first tattoo. We watched the Boondock Saints a lot, you know. So we are. <laughs> That's it's so like, funny because I could totally see you, you two said, being, you know, like in Boondock Saints. We used to try to like grease our hair and everything. So. <laughs> yeah. We would. We'd get like the we, ro- royal buy, crown. Like, just kind of like grease to like grease our hair and then always maintain like this wet fashionable look yeah, it was weird Number seven. it's not surprising that almost all the episodes you're hearing about today feature chicago artists because that's where i'm based in in illinois so we're continuing the trend with the seventh most listened to episode this year johnny hamlin of lights over Bridgeport, such a such a cool, kind dude, and uh, it was number eighty-eight back in March. It was only the second episode I released of twenty twenty, and one of the many stories Johnny shared with me that day involved Mike Herrera of MXPX. So, a couple of questions to start the story. Do you do you know the band much the same? Yeah, I mean, not super okay. well, but yeah. All right. Well, their bass player, Frankie Chukalis, a uh, friend of mine, um, he used to work for 350. 
and so the next question was, did you go see MXPX at 350 Fest? Yes, yes, I was at that show. That All was right. the first Fest, uh, 350 Fest I went to. Okay, sweet. So, so um, Frankie recruited me to work that day at 350 Fest. Okay. And MXPX was playing. And I jumped at the opportunity because the Menzingers were also playing, and they're one of my favorite bands. And, uh, you know, I was, I was all in. So, and I, I like MXPX, but I was never like a, like a massive, massive fan. Um, I dig on them, but like, I don't have like this encyclopedic knowledge of all their music or anything. Mm -hmm. So they were not like a major highlight of it for me, but, um, off I go to work 350 Fest, um, uh, with, with Menzingers and MXPX. So, uh, Bayside was headlining as well. And there was just this massive massive crowd of people so next thing i know like the crowd is tripled or quadrupled in size mxpx goes on they start smoking it and just they're just killing it and it's just like stage diver after stage diver and crowd surfer after crowd surfer and i'm standing in the front and everybody's looking at me like i'm a cop and like i'm like holy shit like i've never been in this position before and in that moment, I'm like, you know, totally reversing roles from all the shows I went to growing up as a kid and still go to, to now being the guy on the other side of the barricade. And I'm like trying to figure out how to react. I'm trying to catch these uh, crowd surfers and stage divers like as hospitably as possible. I mean, I've never practiced this before. Right. So, so you know, I'm carrying a few people around and, you know, letting them run off. And one of these dudes jumps over the barricade, gets on stage, runs after Mike Carrera. And I mean, you know, these people that do this stuff, you know, they, they get on stage and they, they think for some reason that everyone wants this and everyone wants to see them up there. I don't know. But he's running around and like the guys on the other side of the stage tackle him. And I remember I like tried to grab him, but I couldn't get him. And, uh, and I like ripped off part of his shirt. I'm like, oh, well. So things were getting rowdy. And so I'm, I'm, standing there like the band is between songs and Mike Herrera like points to me and he says something I couldn't like make out exactly what he said but he was like you guys need to take it easy on these kids out here it's like they're just having a, trying to have a good time and have fun <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself dude like I just came out here to move a couple guitar cabs like I'm not a security guard I never wanted to stop anybody from jumping on stage and it was just so weird that Mike Herrera, this like punk, like celebrity, is just like thinking that I'm roughing up these kids, which was totally not the case. You know, you know, it's, it's totally not the case. But uh, yeah, that was that was a little rad, uh, gnarly experience, and it's a fun story. But um, that was the time that Mike Herrera told me to chill. Wow, I was trying to. Rem I'm like you're telling the story, and I'm trying to remember if I if I remember seeing that or anyone getting on stage. And I think I kindly, I kind of vaguely remember the crowd getting pretty rowdy that day. And I, I th yeah, I think I do remember someone getting on stage. Um, yeah, dude, it, it felt like like one of those popcorn machines where like you know the popcorn just starts popping in the air. That's what the kids were like. They were, just, I mean, in my mind, they were just like bam 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 it was just like one after another one after another and you know frankie like i just remember watching him like i mean he's not like a small guy but like there was a lot of big dudes that were there they're like 350 guys like big beer drinking dudes that were were like wrestling some of these guys and like frankie's like 
literally like grabbing like every single person and like putting them down on the ground. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, this is not what I'm here for, but damn. Uh, it was a blast. Number six. The sixth most listened to episode of Pop Punk and Pizza brings us out of Chicago into Canada with Andrew Zamora of Way the Anchor. So this would be episode number 94 released back in May. And Wade the Anchor was definitely one of my favorite new artists to discover this year. Uh, Thank you to Natasha for that, by the way. I hope you're listening, Natasha, and doing well. Happy New Year. Uh, This clip brings us to how the band spent all their money on recording, and uh, they didn't have much to eat or drink in the studio because of that. So Andrew Zamora of Wade the Anchor. So I also read you spent like all of your money on recording Medicaid and all you had in the studio was a six pack of beer and three (laughs) cans of lentils. So what was the beer? We got to know what the beer was and we got to know, I mean, I've never had lentils. I I will full, full disclosure here. It's kind of a lentil, a lentil soup, let's say. Okay, because I had to look up what. I'm not. I'm not very well versed in all the different kinds of like vegetables or or whatever you even want to call that. And I had to like look it up. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, I don't know what that is. So I was like, I had to. I had to look it up. Um, but yeah. So first, we'll talk about the beer though. Like, what what kind of beer was it? Well, pretty um, frequently you can catch us uh, drinking PBR. Okay, you know, keeps the keeps the wall was a little bit fuller, but you know, gets the gets the job done, gets the the creative juices flowing. But yeah, no, we were like we realized now that we were so lucky that we recorded this new EP kind of like late January, start of February, right before um, all this uh, crazy stuff has been going on. So we were very lucky to finish this, and um, you know, we put everything everything that we have into these songs and recording, and you know, we want to go with with someone that um, knows us. Like we've recorded with Sam, uh, Sam Guyana was um, helped us produce and, and record these songs um, in Toronto. And he always brings up the best in us, but uh, yeah, we, we put all, uh, all that we had in this stuff. So we cut down on all the other necessities that we didn't really need. So the tuna says he was a tiny bit of food to keep you, uh, keep you going, have your energy for the day. And then the beer to kind of top it off. Yeah, I just kind of imagine the three of you kind of in a circle. You got the beer, you got the, <laughs> you know, the 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 soup, the lentil soup or whatever and like you've got a bowl, just one bowl of the soup and like <laughs> you take a bite then you pass it to the next guy, he takes a a bite and passes it to the next guy and then like same thing with the PBR, you know, it's just all like being passed around and you know, it's like okay, like <laughs> Lucky enough, there was three balls and three spoons, but no, we definitely, <laughs> uh, we definitely passed, we definitely passed around some PBR for sure. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad, you know, I was glad to find out that it's PBR because, you know, that probably helped you inject some of that, a little bit, bit of that punk spirit into your recording. Yeah, because it's kind of, yeah, it's you know, it's, it seems like it's the punk fuel, right? It's, it is. It, it's the punk yeah. beer. It's good, for, of... it's good for the heart and soul. It's, it really is. <laughs> well, I always say it's it's the beer of punk rock because for for, for many years it's been that way. I mean, yeah. when when I, I was, I would have to agree. Yeah, whenever I was the the little bit of touring that I did, any venue we went to in the United States, the beer that they would give free to the bands was most of the time PBR. 
are. And I feel like that kind of said something. So, yeah, I don't, you know. I don't know if I've ever seen a, a band or musician upset if they've ever gotten, you know, a couple free PBRs. Right. <laughs> you can never upset, you, can, you know, you never disappoint with people. Before we continue the countdown of the top 10 most listened to episodes of 2020, I'd like to give a big thank you to melodic punk band Hangtime for sponsoring this episode of Pop Punk and Pizza today. Their two most recent EPs, Destroy and Invasion, are being pressed onto one vinyl LP, which you can pre-order now via Satan Records and Dental Records. If you're in Canada, snag your copy at dentalrecordscanada.bigcartel.com. If you're in the U.S., you can buy yours at say 10 Dot com And that's the number 10, not the word 10. Uh, you can follow the band on Facebook, Instagram, and Bandcamp at Hangtime Band. And their music is on all streaming platforms. You'll hear Hangtime's song, Too Many Days in Full, at the end of this episode. Number five. So number five brings us back to the Chicago punk rock scene. In fact, there's only one more episode in the top 10 that isn't from an artist in the Chicagoland area. Uh, We'll find out, obviously, who that is coming up shortly, since we're already at number five. And the fifth most listened to episode this year was number 90 with Courtney and Maddie of Take the Reins. Now, this episode was unique because it's the only episode released this year where I talked to a husband and wife who play in a punk band together. And Maddie and Courtney told me what that's like. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, history of, of marriages and bands, it's either really good or really bad, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, look at Pat Benatar, you know, and her husband, uh, what's it, Neil, uh, what's his her husband's name? I mean, they've been in the band since day one together, pretty much like she auditioned him and, you know, he pretty much writes all her songs and they're still married, you know, 40 years later or whatever. And then there's, you know, there's Fleetwood Mac and you know how that ended. And like, <laughs> so, yeah, there's, um, I, I, there are many, many good things about being in the band together. And then there's a few where I'm like, like, for instance, I'll write a song and then Matt's like, well, what's that about? <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe I don't want you to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I think about that all the time. There's, yeah. uh, there's songs I'm listening to by musicians I know are married and they've been married for, you know, 20 some years or better. And there, this is a brand new song, and it's it's about you know a girl and some kind of you know relationship going on. And I'm like, okay, this can't be about his wife. Like, who the hell right. is this about? <laughs> right. So yeah, that that I would say that has been the only thing where it's like it's not it's not about you. Don't worry. You know, it's like well, I mean, you got yeah. both from past experience and stuff. But to, yeah, <clears throat> to answer your question on my perspective, I because I've been in bands since I've been 16 and it's actually really good for me that we're both doing this together because it's an experience we get to share together. Yeah. And um, like, if, cause I would probably, I was playing in a band when we met and I would probably have started gotten into another band if it weren't for us getting together and making take the reins. Um, so it would have been all that time where I wasn't 
really, you know, I would, we would have been, I would have been having band practice or something like that and her not being included. And it's, to me, it's. Yeah. Or, or vice versa. You know, yeah. Like, or that, both of us being in two separate bands, that would be. Oh my gosh. That would be, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how that would work. So. Yeah. You, you sometimes yeah. wonder, because now that you bring that up, the, the first couple I thought of was uh, Haley Williams and Chad yeah. Gilbert. Yep. And um, that uh, that didn't seem to end well for them. So right, yep. Well, we've been together twelve years, so it's not. Uh, I, and I the band's been at least half of that. Yeah. So. So it's not. Uh, the only thing is, from my my other perspective of it is. A critique from one of the other guys to Courtney goes over smoothly. A critique for me is like throwing a grenade in the- <laughs> yes. and vice versa. And, and vice versa. Oh. Yes. That's the, the perks of being a woman, right? Right. That is, that is true. I mean, there are, there are perks to being the only female in the band. And then there's also, you know, like, oh, it reminds me I'm the only female in the band when stuff happens, you know? So, but yeah, we, uh, I, I love all the guys, you know, and Matt's probably my favorite in the band, but, uh, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> but we, you know, it's surprisingly, we all, and no joke, get along really well. I mean, we're all really good friends and I think that's what makes the band what it is and makes it so fun. I mean, we're all, like I said, I mean, it's, we'll, we'll keep doing it until, you know, until the fun runs out and right now it's, it's still up, up up and running and we're having a ton of fun so i i think that uh the combination of of why courtney and i work together in the band or in life is that we complement each other well as far as like it, as far as the band goes like courtney's the talent and i'm the muscle so she writes all the songs and brings all the songs to us and then I push everybody around and <laughs> make sure everybody everybody yeah. gets their jobs done. And, yeah. You know, it, it is, uh, we do have a manager and we do have a publicist now and everything, but I, I'm mostly the contact person and I do like most of our, our uh, social media and stuff like that. So yeah. it's like. Matt is the motivator. Right. Mm-hmm. She, she's the talent. I'm the muscle. Yeah. So. Hey, everyone has their part to do, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. It works out. And that works in our in our daily life too. So it, yeah. it's a, a good. I'm, I'm more of the I'm more of the dreamer, and uh, and Matt's more of the well. Let's make that happen. Number four. The last few years have been pretty amazing for Chicago skate punks. Much the same. They released a new album called Everything is Fine in 2019, was well-received by fans and critics. And then this year, their debut album, Quitters Never Win, was digitally remastered and released to vinyl for the very first time. And Frank and Jevin of Much the Same joined me on episode 97 in June to talk about that and so much more. So I wasn't in the band for Quitters Never Win, but it was the record that got me into much. I was a fan of much the same uh, uh, when I was uh, playing in a band in St. Louis at the time. Uh, my band had the privilege of playing with much the same. So, I mean, that record spoke to me. I thought it was an awesome record. And uh, yeah, Frank, you did a great job on that record. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, so it's my turn. Okay. Um, early years type nostalgia like 
I remember when I got to join much the same, it was called Don't Look Down. And I, I was delivering pizzas at this place uh, called Baroni's in Crestwood, Illinois. And I had heard, you know, through numerous musicians that this band Don't Look Down was needed a bass player and a guitarist. And so like I got to join and I remember Chris came and he dropped off like the EP that they had just recorded that had um, a, uh, a couple songs that are on Quitters Never Win. And like, I remember like hearing those songs. I was like, fuck, I can maybe be in this band. Like, this is going to be really cool. Like Liar uh, was, was on there. And like that song, everybody, I think through the years is kind of like really dug. And I, I mean, it's what kind of got me into the band, right? So I, I just see like the whole like picture of that time. Like we were, I was, I was 19 going, you know, through that all to like 21 and like signing to AF records. I thought like, you know, you're going to be on top of the world. I mean, anti-flag likes your band. Like you're going to, you're, you're going to be on the label. You're going to record like Chris number two's going to have a hand of producing a record. You're recording with the guy from fucking 88 fingers, Louie, like, holy shit, Dan, thank you very much, by the way. Um, that's another thing I'll think about is like Dan precision. Like, I'd only done demoing recording at that time, like where it's like, ah, it's good enough. Like, fuck it. Like, let's move along. And that was the first time it was like, nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. Nope. That that was really bad. You can do better than that. And like Dan just pounding it in me and like me coming out better at my instrument because of him. And um, like all that stuff at that time seemed like such a big deal. And it still is. Um, and it was the start of like, what got us to like i've gotten to see the world because of punk rock that record's the start i got to see america you know because of that record that was the the catalyst for it all chris wrote that album he did a great job like and and let us write parts to his songs like i didn't we didn't have like with survive dan and i and jevin all participated in the writing process everything is fine is like dan with us all chiming in quitters never win is chris's record so if that's your favorite record, you thank Chris because he, that's that's his album. Um, so is the next record yours then, or is it Jevons? I guess it's got to be Jevons. Jevons is like album, you know? But we, Jevons and I have joked that we have a lot of leftover demos, actually, like all seriousness, that I think we have like the most unused material from Everything is Fine that we could probably try to build off of. Yeah, um, but yeah, it seems like it seems like we take turns. Like actually, yeah, that's that, and that's part of the fun and like we said, difficulty too of being in this band. It's awesome to know that like everybody's got an ear for writing, um, and can kind of like put in on the production. So, but yeah, Quitters Never Win is like that. That album also like that. It made me a better musician, like in general between Dan. Also, there was this guy, Adam, that was in the band before me that kind of like set a, a, a precedence for like how I was supposed to play in this band. Like, cause he like was a riffer and I, he was like my local competition and I love Adam and he's great. Like I'm actually better because of Adam because like I tried to keep up with that guy and, um, and he did a great job in those first recordings. Like he's the bass player on Liar on the first EP and I just modeled his bass line and like was like, all right, this is what I got to do to be in this band is play like that. So yeah, just Chris Everwind's just like from touring to being a better musician, yada yada yada. Like, can I sum that up with yada yada yada? Number three. Coming in at number three of the top 10 most listened to episodes of 2020 is number 99. 
from July with Talina Chikami. She's the lead vocalist of Southern California ska punk band Bite Me Bambi. And I was happy to see that at least one of these ska uh, punk bands I talked to this year made it in the top 10 because uh, Bite Me Bambi was one of the many new ska bands that I discovered this year. There's so many incredible ska punk bands in the scene right now, and that just makes me so happy. So I learned a lot of things from my conversation with Talina, and one of them being that apparently strip clubs have brunch buffets on Sundays. Or something along those lines. I, ha- I had no clue that such things <laughs> existed. Well, this... <laughs> or, or am I going to be disappointed? No, no. This one's kind of funny. So um, I like to uh, frequent certain establishments and support the local sex workers i like to support the local sex workers give them my money um and so like it would be a fun thing we do on a sunday we'd go like do a pub park pub crawl with some of my friends we'd do like our own little bar crawl and then we'd end up at the strip club and it became a joke with my friends frank and paul and kind of all of us about like going to titty brunch is what we would call i'm sorry can i swear on here oh yeah no 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 yeah no this is just it's a podcast on my own it's not affiliated with anybody but me so I have a kind of a dirty mouth sometimes. I probably should ask that <laughs> well, question we're earlier. about to talk about strippers. So, I mean, well, I feel like they okay. go hand in hand, right? So, you know, <laughs> I enjoy some entertainment. So we were joking about titty brunch and there are some strip clubs that serve like a brunch breakfast or whatever. Really? And, yeah. That's nuts. Like a brunch buffet. And so we were joking about it. And so I don't know why, but it's like really late it's like one in the morning and like brian mashburn the guitar player and i are like sitting and we're trying to like think of songs and somehow strippers on a sunday i was like oh frank and i and paul were joking about titty brunch blah blah and we just start writing the song and we're laughing so hard and we're like this is the funniest thing and we finish it and then we're like okay if this is still funny tomorrow we'll send it to people <laughs> and so we're like cool because there's been a couple of songs that have just died on that cutting room floor of like it was not funny the next day um but that one still was and so we recorded a demo and sent it to everybody and then um t-bone our trombone player is like a really big supporter of like the funny song and so he mm-hmm. was like really championing it to be the first single and so that's what we did oh my and, gosh um, the video was shoot, super fun to shoot, and we found um, some friends who were willing to get in on it and have a good time. So it turned out great. I was really happy with it. I think it sort of shows that we're like a little dirty and like a little funny and, you know, a little edgy, I guess. I don't know. I just think it's kind of fun. <laughs> number two. We're only one spot away from finding out what the number one most listened to episode of Pop Punk and Pizza was in 2020. And number two of the top 10 list was actually pretty close at coming in first episode 120 with Stuby of lucky boys confusion now i asked Stuby earlier in the year if he would be interested in ranking his favorite albums that he'd been a part of from top to bottom for me now instead of doing that he just went ahead and he came up with his own top 10 favorite releases that he's been a part of. 
And it wasn't just for Lucky Boy's confusion. It was actually a list that included all kinds of different bands and projects that he's been involved with over the years. So this episode was filled with tons of great stories. And uh, it's no wonder why it came a number two this year. Because one of the stories Stuby talked about was working with Miguel of Sublime with Lucky Boy's Confusion uh, for their album Commitment. They sent us out to go see uh, Miguel um, uh, uh, to write a few, write a few, tune, uh, few tunes for pre-production. And that's where it sounds like Sunday Afternoon came out of. And... Um, so it's, but they just send me and Adam cause you know, we're the writers. Um, mm-hmm. so we get there, um, we get to the rental car place. They've gotten us a rental and, uh, I I'm in line with Adam. I'm like, so what do you got? And they're like, he's like, yeah. So we got the, what the Chevy something cruise or something. I'm like, yeah, what else you got? And he's like, well, what are you looking for? I'm like, I'm like, what do you got that's expensive? <laughs> and, and, and they go, they go, well, we got a Mustang convertible. I go, I'll take that. <laughs> there and, you and, go. And then I, 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 I get in, uh, I, we pop the top driving down to one Oh one. We call our manager go, Hey, by the way, I rented the Mustang. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, what? You're, that's on the label. I'm like, they can figure it out. Anyway, so we get in. So we get in. We drop our stuff off at the hotel that we're staying at, and we call Miguel and we uh, head over there. So you know, I remember uh, driving down, and I go. Uh, we, we get in the car to get down, go down, drive down to Long Beach, and uh, I get in the car. I'm like, uh, you know, just driving a little bit, and I, I remember being like, "Hey, Adam, check this band out. I, I found these guys, and I uh, I really like them, man. They're really different. They're really cool." And um, I played him. Uh, um, the first four Fall Out Boy songs from uh, "Take This to Our," "Take This to Your Grave," "Grave to yeah. Our Grave." Or, oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, and he's like, "Dude, these guys are good." I'm like, "Yeah, man, they're, they're real nice." Uh, that Pete guy call, uh, calls me all the time, and <laughs> you know, I'm it's just funny. And we uh, we supported them like uh, way back in the day, but anyway, uh, happy for the success. I, it, I dig- right. Uh, I dig- no, right. it's yeah. it's still funny to to hear those stories though you know it's just like mm. it's still a, a a mind bender it's like pete used, to, pete used to send me uh t-shirts so i'd wear them in our photo shoots because we were the big band right uh, and i'd be like hey, i'd be like hell yeah dude anytime and you know i have no hard uh feelings i mean we they stopped talking to us but like we were never that close that like i mm-hmm. should be upset about it you know like right. uh and, and they were never like unkind to us mm-hmm. um so yeah no but yeah it's all good uh anyway um so the so we get in the car we were driving up we were um we're uh, this is before gps and all that and i'm driving up to uh miguel street and adam just kind of he's kind of quiet towards the end of the ride and I'm, and he finally goes hey dude i'm like what and he's like we can't really talk to him about sublime man you know we can't fanboy out all over him and um and or like I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, man. I'm not going to say a word, I promise. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to play really cool. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, I mean, like, I'll just, you know, stick to business. I'm just not going to bother. And so we get in. We open the door. The whole 
the walls are aligned with like golden gold records of sublime and like um pictures of lou dog and and like um you know like just it just it reeks sublime because he was sublime man so right. like it was just there and you know so we're all hanging out kind of like and you know i could i'm looking at him and he's I, like we're catching glimpses i know that we're like oh my god you know like kind of that kind of thing like uh, and um he's like all right oh, let's go upstairs so we follow him up the stairs like um so yeah you know before the before mca uh this is where i uh uh, worked on what I got, and then I put it, put this together here. And Bradley was sitting right there. Da, da, da. I'm like, this guy's just giving us information. What the hell? So, uh, like, still, I don't say a word. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, like, you're just <laughs> geeking out, but like, that's cool. That's fun, man. Um, so we go up on, uh, you know, in California, everybody has like the rooftop um, decks, you know, they have uh, yeah. the. So they don't have to have the curved decks because it doesn't rain there that much. Mm -hmm. um, so we're up there. He pulls out this joint, like the size of a hot dog and uh, <laughs> like, uh, like lights it up, hands it to me. And I'm like, I never, ever, ever like, I don't like smoking in public. Like I don't like, it's a, it's a, it's a very personal, like I, I get real quiet. I don't like to just, it's not, it's not like, it's not like drinking for me where I like, I, it's a social thing. I just, it's a very introverted, very, very, but I, I'm like, I'm here on Miguel from Sublime's rooftop and I'm like, okay, cool. And I just hand it over to Adam and Adam doesn't even smoke that much and like barely. And he's like, probably think of the same thing. So, um, and then as we were just sitting there, he just starts, Miguel just starts telling a story after story without us asking anything. And he's like, <laughs> And then what, and then, uh, my, the thing that was like the biggest thing was like, he goes, man, just sit, we, I, I think it was, things were quiet for a little bit. And then he goes, man, I wish Brad was here. He would have liked you guys. And I, I think oh, I might, I, 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 I think I might've like, you know, like, like uh, cried a little on the inside of going like, I wish wow. he was here too. <laughs> like, <you> know, like, <laughs> oh my uh, God. Yeah. So we, there was a million things like that after um, we uh, a, lot, a lot of fun recording the record. Uh, Miguel was a joy to work with. Um, you know, we had stories like that. We hung out the, uh, with Scott from Unwritten Law all the time because he was right around the corner and friends with Miguel because um, they did their he did their record with them, too. And okay. then uh, we did um, uh, hung out with like went to a lot of parties in L.A. hung out with, like. Travis Barker and like you know it's just like it was very like rock starry again like you know yeah. like uh, where where um we didn't like at the time we were just kind of like yeah that's cool you know like hanging out with Jack Osborne or whatever his name is I can't remember Zach or Jack or whatever uh Ozzy Osborne's kid I, I, uh, I think it's Jack isn't it I, I think I, it's I don't Jack. know I don't watch <laughs> I don't watch reality tv really so I, I, I'm not sure but I think I it's something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know I mean just like but we, me, Adam and I, and uh, and and uh, were the only ones that were around uh, anymore for that. And we didn't, we, we're not really celebrity people, really, you know. We're, but but it was looking back to it now, it's like, oh, that was pretty cool, you know. Number one. All right, are you ready for this? Number one, okay. The number one most listened to episode of 2020 
for Pop Punk and Pizza was... Sorry, my drum roll is terrible. <laughs> Number 93 with Jake Marquis of Sleep On It. Now, I'm not going to lie. Talking about Sleep On It makes me kind of sad because, unfortunately, the band is now broken up. They had some controversies uh, in August, which I'm not going to get into because I don't know all of the story. And I feel like it's it's not really my business and it's not related to this. Uh, however, this episode was actually recorded with Jake in May of this year before the breakup happened in September. And uh, it's, you know, it's extremely unfortunate, but we can still be grateful for the music that they released to us. So Jake, if you're listening to this man, I really hope you're doing well and I wish you nothing but the best. Um, you, you definitely deserve it. You're a great guy. Uh, when Jake was on, we talked about what the band went through while recording their second album, Pride and Disaster. I think our band doesn't love LA as much as other bands do. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not to shame LA, uh, but I think... You know, there's an argument that could be made that maybe this is part of what made Pride and Disaster so bad, but I, it was so good as an album. But when we recorded it, we were collectively in the worst mental shape I think we'd ever been as a band. Yeah. Um, and we were we were straight miserable. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. But like, the whole band was extremely stressed out. Um, so basically, the way that the record came to be at least the studio time came to be booked was um, we had just sort of, we had finished warp tour um, and we had, you know, done um, the, we had after warp, we took like a little bit of time off. Then we did the with confidence broadside tour, which was really great, but it turned out that we didn't have a ton of time between warped ending in August. And we were so burnt out from warp tour. Um, and, and not like in a necessarily in a bad way, but warp was one of the most exhausting and you know, tons of bands will say this It's one of the most exhausting, strenuous mentally and physically tours ever. Yeah. Amazing in every way and completely uh, a landmark in our career. And I'll literally never forget it or talk ill of it in any real specific way other than the fact that it was extremely difficult to do um, that. We took like a solid month and a half off as a band. We didn't write, we didn't even practice because we needed a break because it was a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like late September and you know, the label and our management was like, you guys need, a new record. You got to start thinking about this. You know, it's been almost a year since overexposed came out. Um, you guys should probably start at least writing and then, you know, record it in, you know, early winter of next year. So you can have a new record by the summer. We're like, fuck, we weren't really thinking about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't on our, it, we didn't think it had to be that soon. Of course it, it makes sense when you say it out loud, but at the time we, our minds weren't there. No, especially when you're, you know, busy on warp tour and then, you yeah. know, a tour yeah. after that, you know, uh, like you said, I mean, warp tour completely can kind of consumes you. It's, uh, you know, cause it, there's just so much work. You know, so there's so much work that happens just in one day of that tour. It's a long yeah. day. It was one of the craziest things I've ever done, but 
needless, that's not really here or there, but we, you know, it was like late September, early October, and we we're like, fuck, guys, we got to start writing some songs. <laughs> you know, we got to, you know, we, we, we need to, the fans are going to want a full length, and, you know, we have, you know, like the labels talking about it, and we're like, okay, like we got to do something about this. And it just, it kind of snuck up on us, you know? And it was like, oh, um, we have a couple written, but not like 10 or, you know, 15, like, you know, you would want for a, a new record so you can, you know, demo out 15 to 20 and then pick 10. Mm-hmm. So we wrote some together before the, before the WizCon broadside tour. Then Ted kind of wrote a few on the road. And then it was like, then we were like on the tour, we were like, guys, we're booking your studio time for January 3rd. (laughs) Man. And that was a November tour. So it was like, wow. So, so you're saying we're going to start recording our first, our second full length record in a month and a half. And they're like, yeah. And we're like, is that the only time that Kyle Black and Mike Green have? And we're like, they were like, yeah. We're like, shit. (laughs) Yeah. I would say the same thing. Yeah. Now, luckily, we we took it in stride, I think. And it's a credit to uh, TJ's songwriting ability. And it's also a credit, I think, definitely to Mike Green and Kyle Black for being able to, like, help us hash out more rough ideas and turning them into good songs. Um, and I, you know, we, we managed, you know, getting 11 songs recorded, you know, for pride and disaster, you know, we put 10 on the record and we saved falling further faster, uh, kind of as like a, its own B side single release. Um, so we, we made it happen, but it was done in an exact opposite way that we recorded and wrote overexposed overexposed was written in my basement with all of us, all five of us, um, playing the songs through and kind of going through them piece by piece over months of time. And we didn't get to do that with Pride and Disaster. It wasn't the same formatting, um, at least in the way we wrote them. We still, it was, they were still collaborative songs. We shared ideas and we, you know, especially in the studio, we kind of would, would bounce things off and off each other. But I think going forward, um, or the band is going to try and do the next record more like how we did overexposed where we have, we take a whole month, you know, to do pre-production alone without outside factors and without producers there. So we can really hash out the parts before we go into the studio. So we were, we're you know, a little bit more prepared. Yeah. And that not to say that pride and disaster came out bad because it definitely didn't. And a lot of people <clears throat> like, it, like it more than our other records. Um, or they like it on the same level. But I think as a band, we ended up being kind of <sighs> certain, certain songs and certain like parts of the record felt like we could have done more with it maybe. And it, it just doesn't feel a hundred percent complete or like completely thought out. I, mm. I don't know how to say that. Because I'm trying not to make it sound negative, because it's not. No, negative. no, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's more of the process of writing songs and how the songs flow with each other, where Overexposed had like an ebb and flow that we that I still really like about the record. Mm-hmm. Where Pride 
doesn't have quite the same flow. It kind of, it's a collection of songs that make sense together, but it doesn't have its own flow as a record. Yes, I, I get what you're saying. I get what that's you're a saying. personal opinion of mine. You know, TJ and Zach might, might disagree with me on that, but that, for me, it doesn't flow as well as the last record. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, not necessarily the whole band. Right. Um, so, but the record, what we, I think what we learned while recording Pride and Disaster is what we want from a producer, what we want sonically things to sound like more than we ever have previously. And I think we've learned what truly makes sleep on it sleep on it which i think is really important for a band you know uh going into recording their their next album you know their third album and a band that's you know roughly five years into their career you know we're kind of at this like point that some bands never get past you know you know you're you you, a lot of bands put out two full-length records in an ep and then they just don't do anything more you know they break up or they just can't handle the industry or something goes wrong. You know, there's a lot of things that happen to bands. So, you know, obviously we have no intention of doing any of those things, but I feel like we finally know what makes a sleep on a song, a sleep on a song. And, you know, until we finished Pride and Disaster, we weren't really sure, you know, it was like, it still felt too soon to say that because we only had 18 songs or something like that. You know, we only had, now we have like 32 and it's like, you know, we, we have this body of work and you can really listen to the whole discography, all of the songs we put out and be like, these elements are what people like about our band. Um, and I can say that with like more confidence than I could before um, because we wrote another batch of songs, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that's like really important thing that came out of the recording friend disaster because there was a lot of trial and error and it didn't, it just, the recording process wasn't smooth. You know, I, uh, the other guys have gone on record before, but you know, we didn't have the most eye to eye experience with Kyle. Um, he not to discredit his professionalism in any way, but he's a very dry producer and we're, we're used to a lot of producers with a lot more positive reinforcement. So he's very hard to read as a producer to know if we were doing a good job or not. Yeah, that's hard. If he even liked the song that much. Mm -hmm. And he would always, when we asked him, he was like, yeah, the song's awesome. But the way he was so deadpan and the way he reacted to takes and to listening through to stuff, his enthusiasm level was hard to gauge. Mm -hmm. So we were like, well, did you like that take? Did you like that song? Do you you like how this sounds? (laughs) And he would always give us very like short, sort of hard to really quantify answers yeah i'm, I'm and s- sorry that was no it's fine and that was sort of a challenge for us because it was very polar opposite to seth henderson at abg who's a very like positive forward person when it comes to takes and songs he really gets jazzed about music when it comes out well yes he does um, and we didn't have we didn't really know what we were in for with with Kyle, and again, this is not to professional because he is great at his job. Yes, he, Pride to that just sounds awesome. Like it sounds good. Like it was good tracking and you know good producing. Um, you know, and Mark McCluffy mixed it and it sounds fantastic. It it came out well. So like the end product is really what matters, but the process matters too. Um, and for us, I think 
recording with Kyle was more stressful than we expected. There you have it. The top 10 episodes of Pop Punk and Pizza for 2020. Now that's the most listened to by you. These were not episodes that I picked out as my favorite. Each episode is ranked on the amount of times it was downloaded. And uh, there were definitely some surprises in here, I thought. I- I'm sure maybe you were even expecting like the episode with Bonnie from Stand Atlantic to be in the top 10. Or, or maybe even the one with Jason Lancaster of Go Radio and Mayday Parade. Maybe expecting that to be in the top 10. Uh, you know, and I believe those episodes made it in the top 20, um, obviously not in the top 10, but it just goes to show you that it's not always the well-known name that people are attracted to when it comes to listening to podcasts. But uh, regardless, I'm thankful for all of the guests this year on Pop Punk and Pizza. It's really hard, honestly, to pick favorites because (laughs) I, I had so many fun conversations with so many awesome people this year. And uh, I I could not be more grateful for that. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, which is melodic punk band Hangtime, for making today's episode possible. Hangtime's two most recent EPs, Destroy and Invasion, are being pressed onto one vinyl LP, which you can pre-order now via Satan Records and Dental Records. You can uh, get your copy if you're in Canada at dentalrecordscanada.bigcartel.com. If you're in the U.S., go to say-10.com. And here's one of the songs you'll hear on that album called Too Many Days. Too many days, too many nights I wait to sleep alone. Too many days, I'm waiting for your call. I know you said you're leaving, but I couldn't think of it. Too many days, too many nights alone. Today's sponsor, Hangtime, with their song, Too Many Days. Please support the band by pre-ordering their new release. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Bandcamp at Hangtime Band 
to learn more. If your band, business, or event would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, you can go to poppunkpizzapod.com to find out all the details. I'm Jacques Lamore. Thank you for celebrating the final day of 2020 with me here on Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. And, uh, you know, for making it such an amazing year, I just can't tell you enough how grateful I am for your support. So if uh, you want to catch up on previous episodes, buy merch, submit your band's music for consideration, or sign up for our mailing list, you can do all of that at poppunkpizzapod.com. If you do buy merch, make sure you use that promo code POPPUNK at checkout for $2 off your order. You can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and please leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at poppunk at excuse me at pop punk pizza pod also uh please leave me uh your voicemails i do have a google voice number that i always forget to tell people about uh, you can call me up with your comments your questions whatever the heck it is that you want to tell me or just say uh, because i'm going to play those voicemails back on the podcast at some point uh, the voicemail number is 312 529 Three, five. Again, our voicemail number, if you want to leave me a voicemail with your questions, comments, you want to tell me you took a shit today, whatever it is, 312-529-0335. And I look forward to hearing your voicemails, and uh, that that's bound to be fun, fun and interesting here on the podcast. So here's to a safe, healthy, and happy new year. Cheers. It's nice to meet ya. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya.